And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is your host for today's episode of Startup Hustle. Andrew Morgan's here from Marknology, covering all things e-commerce and Amazon. Before we get started, shout out to our sponsor for putting on today's episode, Fullscale.io helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Today's guest is a, is a friend of mine, a colleague in the space. We've been connected for a few years now. Uh, TJ Hyland, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Uh, I've heard about this show. It's always been a, a goal of mine. Uh, so excited to get the invite. Uh, yeah, super, super excited to have you. I think the last time I saw you was really honestly in passing at ASGTG in New York. Um, I get so exhausted at those events sometimes, man. It's like I just the engagement with the human engagement and energy exchange and just like, oh, my God, like the names. And um, so we didn't get catch up as much. So it's I'm excited to have you for a full for an hour here where I just get to pick your brain and catch up. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, the first half of this year, there was it was still COVID. So no one was doing any events. So everyone that usually has an event spread out amongst 12 months really put it in Q3 because they don't want to do it in Q4. So it was hyperdrive for a couple of weeks there. It's hopefully, thankfully, slowing down a little bit now. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I feel like there's a big push <laughs> right before Q4 for me as an agency owner, like brands just trying to get some of that that Q4 love. Um, but then, you know, we kind of go into a, not a pause, but just a waiting, a waiting time as we go through Q4 and we got to be able to execute, you know? So um, okay, I, I, I like to start these shows out. Anyone that listens to my show kind of knows I have a flow. And I, I honestly like to spend, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes getting to know my guests. And, um, you know, we met when you were at a different company, um, Payoneer. And we, you know, I have a partnership with Payoneer with Marknology in regards to just um, pushing our brands that need that kind of help, um, mm -hmm. whether they're doing international sales, or whatever. That's where we connected. You're with Elevate Brands now, and I think you're the director of global brands, director of, help me global out. Global partnerships. Global partnerships. Okay, so yes. new role, new company. Uh, but before we get into that in today's episode, which is how to exit your Amazon FBA business, and, and that's, you know, the company you're at now, that's that's a lot, a big part of their focus. And um, let's back up, though, and let's talk about TJ just a little bit. Um, have you... Did you get into e-commerce through, you know, sales or was it like, you know, were you doing your own thing? Bring me back as far as you want, how you kind of, you know, got introduced to the space. Yeah. So it was 2014. So seven years ago, which in, in many cases make me an, an OG, although I kick myself every time I hear about people exiting their business because I never started selling myself. But we'll put that to the side. So it was 2014. Okay. Uh, I was looking for a job. I had talking with my my brother's girlfriend at the time now wife and she was working at this company called world first uh, and they actually do very similar things to what pioneer does in terms of supporting cross-border sellers they also do some stuff uh, in more traditional fx where you send your supplier payments to china or to vendors or whatever it may be um, and they 
were a UK-based UK based company, and they were just launching uh, the e-commerce desk in the US. And I was actually the first hire on that desk. Okay. Knew nothing about what I was doing. No, knew nothing about e-commerce. I remember talking on the interview and was like, and my brother was like, this is a great opportunity. You should take it. You know, it's Amazon. And I was like, I don't want to work for Amazon, which again, would have kicked myself. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, full circle, I was there for about four, four and a half years, then went to Payoneers. I had a partnerships for North America, same thing, helping cross-border sellers. So I had really always been in the payment space. Payoneer launched a working capital product. So got more exposure and, and crossover with the domestic sellers um, and helping US-based sellers who were selling in the US. Uh, and then just uh, two or two, a little over two months ago, I joined Elevate Brands uh, as the director of global partnerships. Um, and we can dive into that a little bit, but, but Elevate Brands, we look to acquire uh, Amazon brands. So businesses that sell primarily on Amazon uh, and are looking to exit. And uh, what we'll do is we'll buy the brand, pay you as the, the brand owner a hefty, hefty sum. Um, and then a lot of times there's earnouts and a lot of different deal structures. But uh, give that brand owner the opportunity to capitalize on their hard work. Whereas, you know, three, four years ago, five years ago, that wasn't even an option. Right. Yeah. Traditional private equity was not looking in this space. I think if it, if it wasn't even for the war, form of, of aggregators, you know, they still wouldn't be interested. Like these brands just aren't big enough. But when you put 30 of them together or 100 of them together, private equity is saying, cool, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and one thing that's I think is unique to Amazon FBA businesses, you know, in a tech world where e-commerce is evolving and software is evolving, uh, but we also have apps and, you know, Silicon Valley and all of that. And so many people are interested in, in or investors or private equity are, invest, are interested in um, software as a service companies and, because they're so scalable, right? And so, uh, you know, I think one thing that happened with, sure, aggregators are coming to the space and, you know, Amazon's changing, e-commerce is growing, but also during the pandemic when there was less things to invest in or less things growing, they're like, wow, these FBA businesses or these e-commerce businesses are, um, you know, they're smaller, but they're profitable. A lot of them are profitable. And there's just not a lot of businesses in their early stage that um, are automatically like making profit. Um, you know, it's, it's usually a lot of investing and brand building and all these things before you even get to a point of having that combo. You know, we talk about Uber or um, Airbnb that haven't even like made money yet as companies that are worth, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Um, but these Amazon FBA businesses can be making money in year one, you know, and that's one thing that um, me as someone that's been working in this space loved. I loved you know, I, I've always grown up on a shoestring budget. And so like being able to do that for brands and make them profitable was like exciting to me. Um, and I think that's just something that's gotten their attention as well. Um, yeah, I mean, especially with the growth in 2020, that like clear hockey stick growth, right? Um, you know, when there was, to your point, when there was nothing else really growing, booming, travel was dead and, you know, in-store traditional retail is dead obviously everyone kind of had to turn online and, and Amazon again, right place, right time for sellers, many sellers. Um, but it, it really provided a lot of these businesses uh, a wake up call say like, yeah, as many of them, you know, started as side hobbies and then evolved into real business. Or even if you just were a traditional brand builder and you built it yourself um, or even the new wave, which is built to exit, which we can touch on um, you know, 
they're all, everyone has a different path, right? Um, yep. But hopefully everyone can capitalize on their hard work because it's not easy. And, and that's kind of why I kick myself is because I, I know it's not easy, but I know I could do it, right? Mm -hmm. not, not to speak ill of anyone, but I watch some of these brand owners and I'm just like, Okay. You know, the, and you start <laughs> by fixing their problems, right? Because like, I'm an Amazon, you know, consultant, we're an agency. Um, as we fix their problems, we start to then learn what to do and what not to do, you know? And, and so if you're in that same spot where you're helping them finance, you're helping them make business decisions, or you're helping them, um, you're learning that as you go. And while you haven't done it, um, I'm honestly in, in the mode of building my own brands now. Um, in addition to like the, the brands we work with, I'm building some of my own. And people could say, well, why didn't you do that when it was easy in 2014 or 2015, for example? Well, I didn't know what I knew now, number one. I was still learning. And two, right. I didn't have the capital to do that. I was still, you know, trying to get out of debt and, and build a company. And, and um, just building a product-based brand at that time wasn't in my cards. So I'm right there with you in regards to, you know, maybe having done that or not. But I don't think that we'd be in the positions we are now. 100%. If that had been the case, because there's a, there's, there's something that's different between the service providers that know a lot about Amazon and the people that know a lot about Amazon that have done it for themselves. They don't necessarily help others. So, right. um, a lot of those people that are amazing at what we do, will never even see them or, you know, we just, they're, they're not really like moving in our space, uh, versus the people learning to serve, to serve others in the e-commerce space are, are getting a, a wider range. Um, Took a minute to say that, but I think it's just it's noteworthy to kind of explain, like you know, people from the outside. There's a lot of different um, to end up where we are. There's been a lot of different avenues we've had to take. Right, and and the question that you know I've gotten every year since 2014 is: Is it too late? Am I too late? Mm -hmm. And you're you're never too late. You might have more competition. It might be a little bit harder. Every year gets a little bit harder with with especially with influx of, of cash like we've seen. But I would absolutely say it's not too late and it's not impossible either. So No, I mean people from the outside don't have the same data or the knowledge, but like, you know, I'm talking to brands every single day, probably two or three. Um if I'm having a great week, you know, and it's um it's choosing the right ones I think are a great fit for Amazon. Um, or, the, or the ones that have potential because me as an agency owner, we have a limited bandwidth too. And so trying to choose the ones um, that are a good fit and it's not, it's never too late. I mean, we continue to launch brands. We continue to, um, you know, help brands that have maybe plateaued, get to the next level. Uh, it's just, just because something gets harder uh, isn't always a bad thing. I remember like when Amazon came down on all the review manipulation and I was a consultant at that time. And sure, I'd use some of those strategies because everyone was. And so you were giving away product in exchange for reviews. And you weren't telling them exactly what to say. You're we giving them a free product, you know? So it was manipulation at that level. And I remember when Amazon came down on it. And at first it was like, oh my God, it's going to be way harder to launch products is, you know, what I'm thinking. But then also as someone that loves the space, I was also like, well, now we get to actually work on all of the like hard things that I think are really what's important like photography and graphic design and seo and then ppc management and all the other areas started mattering that much more when those hacks kind of got removed and what the thing is is you weren't the only one that was blocked from this review manipulation everyone was it's kind mm -hmm. of blanket right so for for in many sense kind of reset the playing field to to focus on things you know we talk often about like <clears throat> 
when we're looking to acquire a business, like we, we don't want any trace or evidence of, of black hat, right? Like nothing that violates Amazon's terms of service, right? You might've done it years and years ago. Fine. Cool. Tell us about it. You know, let us have all the information before we make the decision, because if that comes back in a month or two and the store is shut down because you did X, Y, Z in 2015, like, that that transaction can be canceled. Uh, like, did your can... uncle do the 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 fix on the car? Like, you know, did he change yeah. out the brakes and the alternator, or what? Did you take it to a shop? Like, either way is cool, but I would like to know, you right. know, what right. I'm buying. And I think that's important. That's an important thing to say as a, an aggregator that's looking to buy brands. Is like, um, in the early days, I was doing those things not not for my own brands, but getting hired to like figure them out and i think there is something to say that there's value in knowing the opposite side like your competition um and knowing what black hat was doing but quickly i learned quickly 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 i learned lean into amazon white hat these are the things not to do these might be some of the competition we're up against but the early days was just entrepreneurs willing to try anything i think and now we're dealing with brands you know uh those early entrepreneurs were like let's try this let's try this let's try this um, and, and took those, took that now to our agency and we, we consider that department brand protection and all the things not to do, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, not violating terms of service, but in the same sense, it's, it's being transparent and it's being honest. You know, we, you'd be surprised how many businesses come to us and say one thing, and then we do our due diligence and we say, explain this, can't explain it. Or they come back the next day with a different report. Say, well, well, what was that that you gave us two days ago? And what is this? That trust is broken. You only have one time. And, and that, that's generally surrounding financials when we're talking here. But mm-hmm. you really only have one time to to build that trust. And if you break it, you know, that, that that's a it would it takes a lot to come back from that. Right. Especially in a financial transaction for typically millions of dollars. So, yeah. And I think it's it's uh it, it's difficult to get your business in a position to exit, I think, Um in the e-commerce space, you'd be, you'd be so surprised if I told you, you know, we're managing 50 brands a month and maybe like 10 of them really know like the nuts and bolts and guts of their like Amazon business down to its core. Um, you know, when it comes to profitability, when it comes to knowing like all of those things, um, it can be a daunting task, but like, that's really where you need to be so that whenever you go to an aggregator or you go to a friend or whoever you are, if you're trying to exit your business, um, you know, your shit and you know, where you're positioned and you know, your numbers. And so if there is questions, instead of being defensive, you're like, you, you yeah. know what, you know, you can explain it. And if you can't get to that level of detail, hire someone that can help you. Right. And spot on, you'd be, you'd be surprised or maybe not surprised at how many businesses come to us, say, I want to sell. And we say, cool, give us your financials. And they send over some reports from Amazon of like total sales. It's like, okay, but like, where is your P&L statement? And like, that's for, you gave us the period for, for Q3. Like, what about the last three years that you've been selling? So, you know, to your point, be able to explain everything, right? If there's a downward trend right now, if your margins are shrinking because import costs from from China are, are through the roof. Cool. You know, we are operators ourselves. We operate over 30 brands right now. We understand that. But as long as like it, it, we'll see that in the data. But also if there's another blip up or down, you know, just be able to explain what's going on with your business. 
Uh, and you'd be surprised at how many people are are not able to. So when somebody co does come to the table, full package, everything in a box, ready to go, can explain the past, the present, what they plan to do for the future. You know, when we look to acquire a business, we want to acquire a really solid business, but we also want to acquire a business that has potential and has opportunities. You know, when we talk about taking a business that's only been in the U.S. on Amazon and going to Canada or to Mexico or expanding onto Walmart or go to D to C, like those are all really simple or visual uh, opportunities for us. But then it's also like, you know, we have our PPC team and perhaps you were only doing it in-house and we have, you know, someone who's done it 30 years in-house or you know, 30, maybe 20 years in-house. Um, but you did PPC and you did this and you did this and you ran your business. Like you wore 10 different hats as the brand owner, whereas we have specialized teams. So we can look at something, realize the opportunity and kind of position that into the valuation of your business as well. And, and that makes it more attractive. If you pulled every lever on your business and you're still either plateauing or slightly decreasing, like that's unfortunately not something that we really want to dive into. Yeah, no. And, and as a, as someone that's not buying brands, um, but I'm choosing to work with them or not. And that's to say, Hey, this is where you're at. And this is where we're going to try to take you with goals, being able to clearly define all those things, even to an agency partner or consultant that you're working with can have a lot of value too. So like you can be doing some of the same work to grow your business in the same way that you would do it to exit it. I do believe that like, as you get more organized, as you get more detailed, as you get more granular, and then you, you engage like with someone like Marknology and I'm able to know, okay, on these SKUs, we're making this profitability and on these SKUs, we're making this profitability. And here's some issues we might have with logistics. And the more information you can give me, the more, you know, we can help advise you and find growth strategies. And some of that's like, you know, a silly example would be that communication that, that they're just not thinking you need to know, but it's like, you know, what kind of press is happening out there off Amazon? You know, we, we had situations where I'm responsible for managing the store trying to deal with the whole business for them on the Amazon side and uh, had a big like radio placement on like Sirius FM or something. Right. And we just saw orders go crazy, just like <laughs> absolute orders were going crazy with direct sales. And we had no idea what was happening. Right. So that's a silly example, but one that says like, if you aren't telling, you know, either the people trying to buy your business or the people you're working with that are doing the work on your business, like everything that's going on and be able to quickly articulate, um, you know, your pulse check and, and what's, what's coming up or what's, what's in the roadmap ahead. Um, we can't, we can't be there. We can't build trust. And, you know, and that's really what, what success is built around. Yeah. Spot on. Okay. I want to back up just a little bit because you jumped right into just like getting that <laughs> opportunity with, I think, um, you know, that first, um, I don't even know the right tech speak to, to speak to that, but the first company that you're using to bring currency from international over, um, mm -hmm. what were you doing before that? Like, what was TJ doing before that? Uh, TJ was in college before that. Okay. Okay. So I don't I have it. I don't have an age range. So he came out of school into that. That was like first corporate job. Yeah. Fell, fell into the e-commerce world and, and here I am eight plus years later. Right. So, uh, you know, there's a, a, a guy I worked with at that first company, you know, it was foreign exchange. And, and he used to say, like, if you're, if you stay in this industry for more than, you know, I think it was like five years, you, like you get bit by the FX bug. He's a guy who had been in it like 35 years at that point. Mm -hmm. He's like, you, it bites you and you're never going to leave. And I was like, thankfully I always sat like 
I was at an FX company, but in the e-commerce I was world. I was always in e-commerce and I found that way more interesting than like fighting over a couple points on a, on a Forex transaction of like USD to GBP. Right. Yeah. So I kind of feel the same way in the sense that when we started this world or when I started in this world in 2014, I used to have to explain to like even people in my office what I was doing because nobody knew and they'd see me and I was in sales at the time. They'd see me like searching on Amazon all day and they were just I thought like perhaps it was like neurotic. I thought I had to over explain to them be like, I'm not just searching for products to buy on Amazon. I'm looking for like businesses that sell on Amazon. It's not me like buying new kitchenware every day. Right. So, you know, it, the world has come so far since then. And I think, you know, the the emergence of Amazon from, you know, really, I think the pivotal moment for us as service providers and you, and you can comment on this maybe, but was when Amazon came out, I think it was the 2017 uh, like yearly earnings report or something like that and said that they made a majority of their money from third-party sellers. And then everyone was like, excuse me, who are third-party sellers? I thought you, Jeff Bezos, were shipping every package to my house, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Then people started learning about FBA. People started learning about, you know, then you saw the emergence of brand. And it was compiled with brands now realizing, who are all these people selling my product on Amazon? You know, Nike, great example you know, Johnson and Johnson and all these like consumer products that these brands were like, never really thought about it, never gave it the time of day. And then we were like, shoot, Amazon really has this control because Amazon controls the consumer prime going from five day shipping to seven day to five day to three day to two day. You know, nowadays you get Amazon packages depending on where you live, but in a day, like same day. And, and if I buy something off, you know, an Instagram ad and it's not here in two days, I'm like, well, I'm never going to get that product. Like, <laughs> right? and, and if you like, I always talked about Amazon just bringing trust to e-commerce, like mm-hmm. e-commerce was totally. a thing. There was websites, but like I could order an album from my favorite band or something and it could take three months or I could order something and it take three days or two days. And it's like, it was all independent based on like that brand or that. So you're like, well, why do I don't want to wait 14 days? I'm going to just go buy it. And so there's still a lot of brick and mortar sales happening, you know, in that regard because of the speed. Well, Amazon was the first one to make us just trust that we're getting it in two days. Mm-hmm. And it was super cool. It was almost like when you bought it, you were like literally like watching to see if you actually <laughs> got it in two days. Remember that? I mean, I do. I definitely remember like, oh, my God, I can get something shipped in two days. Like that was crazy talk. Um, well, I still remember five to seven business days and like. Does that include weekends? Can't take that long. Come on. Like when there was still that like juxtaposition between the two, it's like, mm. and now everyone, everyone has to play by Amazon's rules, right? If, if you're running D to C, if you're running on a different marketplace, if you're selling on whatever, like I will not buy something if it's not going to be. Yeah. It's like, kind of like selling real estate, time. right? Think about real estate and realtors, right? Like the test they got to take um each year like you know you can't advertise this on facebook you can't do this like for equal housing and all the different rules that they have for selling okay and we're over here um you know amazon is kind of that governing body for for amazon sellers our governing body there's tons of rules 
and there's no school for this. There's no like real estate exam. There's no like Amazon exam to be like, okay, now I'm certified to do this. And it's just really like how much do you want to learn and how fast and, and, and what are you willing to um, <clears throat> invest in your, as your company, whether it's you, whether you're hiring someone, um, what are you going to invest it to, to, to learn this at a high level? I think one thing that Amazon did well that made it where people like me and you were like, let me explain this to you. Like, it's like, you get it, but no one else does. And you don't know exactly how to tell that story just the right way where everyone's getting it. And for me, it was when I added um, an Amazon brand accelerator as my tagline to marketology. People just started getting it. I'm like, we're a brand accelerator. Like, oh, I know what that is. I know what brand is. And I know what acceleration is, you know? Um, but that third-party seller, like, it's still confusing to people. I think the customer, like, we as experts understand it, but the customer still doesn't know if they're buying from Amazon or from someone else. They just, they're not paying attention to those little, those little nuances on the right side whenever they say add to cart, you know? So Amazon did a good job of that. Right, and I think that's really the positioning between e-commerce and Amazon. Um, and I often, like people say, like, I'm an e-commerce service provider. It's like, cool, but do you service Amazon or do you service e-commerce? Because in my world, those are vastly different things. Mm -hmm. To me, e-commerce is D2C or, you know, Coca-Cola.com or, you know, Costco.com. That's e-commerce, totally. And it's a great model. But then Amazon's a different world. And you can do e-commerce and you can do Amazon. And a lot of times you can do both. They're not mutually exclusive. Correct. Um, and like when you talk about like people acknowledging it, every, everyone has known the term e-commerce for a long time. But I think when people started to understand the Amazon world and then say Amazon's part of e-commerce, then it's like, oh, OK, now I get what like, you do. Like, for example, I like clown on myself a little bit. Like our title is how to exit your Amazon FBA business. Why? Because Amazon FBA is a highly searched thing on the internet, right? And I am in the business of building a podcast that gets listens, right? So if I can optimize my titles, I will right, for what people are searching, right? But one thing that's always frustrated me as an expert is like Amazon FBA. I'm like, do you understand what FBA is? It's fulfillment by Amazon. It's just a fulfillment. It's just a fulfillment acronym, okay, for using Prime, just like FBM or anything else. Why are we calling it an Amazon FBA business? Because we know that they probably also have FBM if they're doing anything right. Mm -hmm. So are they not an Amazon FBM business, right? It's just this thing. And like, what do people hold on to? Um, and so people call it, oh, it's an Amazon FBA business. Your business might be much more than just an Amazon FBA business, but we call right. it that. Why? It's because it's something that the customer or the people out there have grabbed a hold of and they're holding on to that, that FBA acronym. You know, um, but you're breaking it down. You're like, it's just a shipment method at the end of the day. Right. Um, it's what gets you know, it there so, in two days. <laughs> it's what gets it there in two days, but your whole business isn't that, you know? Um, so like, you know, we go to the ASGTG, we go to these different things and people talk about an Amazon FBA business. Um, I'm like, that's just business. And it's focused <laughs> around Amazon, you know, uh, to get technical with it. But that's because, you know, I, I, I'm a nerd about this stuff, but um you know, there's been so much, and that's why I started my YouTube. That's not why I started this podcast. This podcast uh, a little under two years ago as a host, um, but content on YouTube, my Instagram was all about just being extremely passionate about what we're doing, and Amazon and what it can do for businesses and um, the stuff that we do that that optimize that process and make it easier for people. 
I wanted to put out a narrative that was educational and a narrative that was positive around what we do instead of all the negativity that can come from people that don't understand it. Um, that was my initial goal. And now, now I'm just, I'm putting out as much content as I can about everything. But in the early days, it was just like, man, I want people to know what we know, you know? Um, and I think that's a testament to even like, you know, you working with Elevate Brands now is, um, there's, there's a limited pool of people that have just been in the space, you know, seven, eight years and have just like grown with, um, you know, the biggest marketplace in the world. We've grown right along with it. Right. And, you know, I, I don't know if anyone will come out and say this, but I definitely think my tenure in, in e-commerce has what led to me working here. Right. So they, they understood that I knew who to know. Right. And that's what partnerships are for me. Partnerships are making mutually beneficial relationships. Right. So I scratch your back, you scratch mine. You know, what I want from you is, you know, you as XYZ provider have trusted relationships with your sellers. They have so many options when looking to sell their business. I don't want, you know, if you want to make it exclusive, great. I don't need that. All I want is a seat at the table. When they say, when they say, Hey, Andrew, I'm looking to sell my business. You know, do you know anyone? Do you work with anyone? You can say, Hey, I work with ABC and Elevate. You know, I can make you introductions to all those people. You should probably speak to a bunch of people so you can understand where you fall in, in the realm. But all I want as, as my role is for to be that, that advocate uh, to, or to have you be that advocate for Elevate, right? Um, and, and, and in reality, a lot of the aggregators are very similar. And we're all looking for a very similar product and, and business. Some have different niches, some focus on different volumes. But at the end of the day, we're, we're looking for these Amazon FBA businesses. So Right. And it's who do you want to it's who do you want to work with? You know, at the end of the day, like there's a lot of ways to make money. Um, you know, it's like who's trusted. I think trust is a big thing in the marketing world in general. Uh, from a general perspective, there's a lot of scammy marketers because um, we're salespeople at the end of the day in that regard. Um, we're technical salespeople. Uh, and then, you know, there's relationships and it's just building, it's building those. Um, I want to go into a couple more questions with you before we do one more time, a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. If you're um, a software company, fullscale is a great spot to go to for, for amazing resources to help you scale your team. Um, TJ, Let's talk about just a little bit more about, um, you know, the technicalities between behind, like being ready to be an Amazon business that's ready to sell or, you know, should you be thinking about, does it have to be that you're selling a hundred percent or could it be that you just want to partner 50, 50 and get capital to, to continue to grow it? Or, you know, there's a lot of different options out there. You've been in, you've been with the company, I think, you know, a few months now, two months, the aggregators are, um, you know, all at different speeds and at different lengths of how long they've been here and things like that. Um, what, let's talk about one brand that's gone like amazing, uh, since exit. And then like one that's maybe like been a struggle or something that's, you know, as part of your portfolio now, um, maybe to just give some people some insight, uh, and you choose, you choose what you want to share, but I think that'd be kind of cool to just give a little insight on two deals. Um, and one that went great and one that like, you didn't know something coming in or, or had a bad transition. Yeah, I actually, have, that's, I'm going to do it without saying names though. Please, um, please. Okay. So just to your first point is, you know, most of the aggregators in the space for simplicity purposes want a hundred percent exit, kick the owner out the door, see you later. Right. 
And a lot of times the owner wants that. But what we're finding now is as we as we're talking to bigger and bigger businesses is the owners aren't ready for that. Uh, they're not ready for a variety of reasons. A, number one, the thing they say is, I don't know what I would do with myself. Mm-hmm. And B is they still believe there's a ton of potential in their business. And for us as an acquirer, that's like music to our ears. So if that business doesn't want to exit, but it's of a grand enough size where we would do a 50-50, 60-40 partnership joint venture, you know, that's something that we're interested in, right? So if a business is, you know, EBITDA is 10 million or 20 million or more than that, like that's a lot of money for us to pay out as well and a lot of risk. So if we could do a 50-50 partnership where the brains behind the operation is still there, a lot of times the team is still there, you know, that that's pretty attractive to us. Um, to touch on some, some real life examples, you know, if we look at what uh, I think one of our, our first brands that we acquired actually was a joint venture um, okay. and it's a company in the beach tent space. Um, and it's done super, super well. Um, so what we've done is, you know, obviously that, that partnership changes things a little bit. It's not a full acquisition. So it's, it's working with our brand management teams. Um, and what is, what is just pause real quick, just for a second. Like what is done really, really well mean like branding, you uh, see so, organized, like let's give them some feedback. When we talk about that, we're talking about financial growth. So okay. that, that was one of the first ones that happened. And that was back in, I would think it was like the, the end of 2020 or mid 2020. Um, so year over year growth is up, you know, more, more than a hundred or 150%. And um, beach has opened up too. <laughs> like true. Right. You so, know, like, you know, this year has been really good and, and we've done a, a variety of different things, you know, not that brand, but another one when we acquired them, you know, when I talk previously about the opportunity, we looked at this opportunity, the guy admitted, I'm doing this PPC myself and it's getting by. He says, my, uh, we looked at the, the listing. There's no A plus content, no videos, no nothing. We look at uh, and their their prices, and he admits we could probably raise the prices. So you couple the PPC adjustment, putting in some rigorous solutions, uh, whether that's internal or software or whatever. Update the content, update the graphics, update the the listing, and then also raise the prices. Like that takes a business that was already pretty good and take it to the next level. And that's what we're gonna try to do, right? When you look at we're backed by by private equity or, or venture capitalists. And what they want is a return on their money, right? They want to see month over month, year over year growth. So we can say we took this brand that was doing 100K a month and now it's doing 150K a month. And we project it'll be doing 200K a month by December, you know, non-seasonal product. Um, so, you know, like I said, when, when there's those opportunities, little things like that, little tweaks that, that we see because our brand managers and our head of brand management oversee 30 brands, right? So every brand runs into different hurdles. You know, some of them we do individual campaigns on and run with influencers. And sometimes it just happens organically, like all these little things. I'll tell you one, one bad thing that happened or two Um, kind of touches it back on the black hat. Uh, We acquired a brand two months later, shut down. not even two months, a a month and a half later, shut down, violation of terms of service. We do our due diligence. We can typically go into a business and see if there's been black hat in the history, but we can't see everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Until, you know, 
the dotted line is signed. Um, so that business was shut down. Thankfully, we were able to get it back up, but that business was down for over a month, right? So you know, when we look at our business and say, what the hell happened here? That's down. That's a big blip. Explain that. You know, the same way that we expect a business to be able to explain every trend to us when we're acquiring, we need to be able to explain that to our investors too. So it's like, it's just up the chain. Um, Another issue that we'll see or that we saw that was potentially big is providing or, or mislabeling the product. So this product was in the beauty world and I don't remember exactly what it said, but it said like, I think no sulfates or no sulfuric acid or something like that. I don't even know. We went on and we acquired a business. Uh, the guy said, there's no sulfates. There's nothing in line. You have nothing to worry about. Everything's fact-checked. And, and to do the full product test costs like 50 grand, 100 grand. So we, we didn't do it at first. And then I don't even know what happened and why we did it, but we did it. And it turns out there were sulfates in the product. So now you have options, right? So like that guy didn't tell the truth. Or you have to now do repackaging on every one of your products, probably both and not, not mutually exclusive. So whatever actions you do with that, but then also, you know, claims that you make um, are very important, especially yep. with topical or digestibles. Um, you know, that's someone's skin, someone's body. And like that could have, you know, if, what if someone was allergic to sulfite? I don't, I don't even know. Right. And, and that happened, like that could be the end of, of the business, right? So from our perspective, it, it comes back to that honesty, transparency. It's like, you know, maybe he believed that there was none and he got a test and it said that. But, you know, when, when we did our due diligence on it, uh, I'll be post-fact, uh, you know, that's something that came up. We were able to rectify and the, the business is doing well um, and amended the, the recipe, I think. Um, but, you know, just little things like that. And what you also see is, Every product, every category, every region is different, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when a business comes to us and it is, you know, especially in that beauty world or the, the topical world, it's good in the U.S. Um, but one of our growth levers is to take it internationally. Yep. Not good in the U.K., good in Germany, not good in France, good in Canada. Like, so, you know, do we then... You would have, made, you would have liked to have known that before. So you could have said, hey... This is still a great brand, but it's not, it's one that this growth lever isn't going to be an option. Right. So when you talk about valuation, what we actually pay out, it's like, you know, we can expect to do X percent on this marketplace, X percent on that marketplace. And if you can't hold those levers because of that, you either need to go change the recipe or change the, you know, in that, in the case of international, it's typically the national compliance laws that allow you know, X percent of whatever ingredient and you're over that. So you have to change your recipe. Is that worth it for the sales? Yep. Does If you change the whole recipe, does that affect the U.S. business? Do you have to change your listing? Do you have to change your, your advertising, right? So little things like that, um, you know, it just comes back to like being prepared up front. Um, and we talk about when to sell a business. And a lot of people we talk to say, I want to, just not yet. Yep. There's so many things that you can do today to prep your business to sell in three months, six months, 12 months, whatever it is, you know, obviously on the financial accounting side, but also being able to explain every trend in the past, but also the compliance, the product, the logistics, the, the import export, like, you know, consolidating everything, having it in a package today so that you don't have to do this in a, in a whim or on a whim, sorry. 
Yes, creating SOPs. It's like documenting, 100%. you know, how you order your product or who's who at your warehouse or the little things. And, you know, what's interesting is everything you're sharing from an aggregator standpoint as an agency owner, um, you know, we have aggregators coming to buy us as well um, or attempting to. And so it's like, you know, I plan to continue to build and I love what I'm doing and maybe I'm not ready not now, right? That kind of thing. But I'm also yeah, preparing. Sure. I'm also preparing, like, you know, to to keep my options open. As a business owner, you want to be able to have as many options as possible. And one of those is just like, okay, if someone was looking at my agency, what should I be doing? What should I be focused on um, to be ready to go? And the things you're saying with the brands and the products, like, that's what we as an agency deal with, just like an aggregator would, right? We take on a brand. I'm doing my audit. I can only see so much until there's like signing on the dotted line, so to speak. And then, you know, we get access and it's looking under the hood. And at the end of the day, we're trying to be successful. And if you're not sharing, um, you know, all of that information, you can imagine over the last 10 years, like all the crazy scenarios I've seen. I mean, we've worked with 300 brands, so it's like you've seen a little bit of everything from, you know, right. mislabeling stuff to, um, you know, them having eight accounts that you, they didn't know about because someone else was there before them. And um, those are the things that like, you know, you sign a, a six month engagement with the brand and it takes you three months to get through the stuff they didn't tell you about before you get to the point where you can start growing them, you know? Well, I think you hit on a good point also circling back to the SOPs and the processes like, whether it's you and your business, and I'll, I'll get on that to a minute, but like as a brand owner or operator, like you should be working <clears throat> on your business, not in your business. So that when you go to sell and you want to go retire and sit on the beach or whatever, like you can, and you don't like, you are not the key cog in what makes your business run. You should be there to make decisions hundred percent, change things, update things, work on things fine, but you shouldn't be the one sitting there hitting you know, fulfill order, fulfill order, right? Um, and even so, you know, if you had somebody hired to do that, you kind of got to get to the automation standpoint because we're at a point where we've acquired, like I said, 30 businesses thus far, looking to, on average, we're closing about one a week right now. Uh, okay. So good. That's hoping good to get to, you know, 50-ish by the end of the year and, and then, you know, double that next year and hopefully more, right? Um, and it comes back to what your point is. Aggregators approaching you and approaching agencies, like uh, a lot of the, the agencies in the Amazon space that I speak to say, well, so-and-so actually, you know, is thinking of or has offered or has looked into acquiring us, right? Um, and it's saying like, why? Why would they do that? And, and just to kind of explain for everyone, while when, every time we acquire a new business, we need to then operate that business, right? And And it's like, how can we grow that fast? We can't. Um, and in certain businesses, like one that we, we were uh, about to close or either just closed, um, we're, we're acquiring the whole team. Um, it's a pretty it's a pretty intense business or intricate business where they're about to get into their holiday season or their high season. You need them through the holidays. You need them. And if we didn't, you know, there's no point in acquiring, acquiring that business. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows internally how to run XYZ business especially better than the, the, I think it's 10 or 12 people that are currently doing it, right? So they will become full Elevate employees, everything like through that. Um, and then they'll continue to, to operate that business. And then what we'll look to do is to acquire bolt-on businesses to that, right? So they operate in XYZ category. What other businesses can we get in that area? Another one in XYZ, yeah. So that, you know, 
we help them, they optimize this business and they can take this business that might not be optimized and optimize this business and have sort of a new grander category for us. That's really cool because I think a lot of people like doing, not everyone is like someone that wants to create process out of nothing. Not everyone is something, you know, you got the people that start stuff, you got the people that optimize stuff, you got the people that there's all different types of personality types and why we're all capable of anything. I think we all have our sweet spots, you know, and for some people it's like, I would, I wouldn't mind having someone tell me what direction to focus on, you know, and that's okay. Let me just go focus on it versus having to choose that yourself. So I can see for a lot of Amazon business owners, if I'm going to be that specific, um, that being like a, um, a cool opportunity to continue to work on the brand that you've spent time building. Um, and you're just joining a bigger team that's got, you know, and I've built a company here instead of being a guru out on an Island somewhere, uh, cause I like working with a team. I like working right. with the elements of a team. I don't like, you know, I don't like being LeBron James. I like being, um, that role player, you know, I'm, I'm the leader here, but I also like being part of a team. Um, you know, one thing you said, um, you know, is about the aggregators and like you guys only being able to grow so much. And as we round out here, I think it's just something fun to, to talk about, you know, I'm passionate about this space. I also think it's incredibly hard. Right. And as someone that's like, it's incredibly hard and excite. I like hard stuff. I like fixing problems. I like exciting stuff. That's why I'm in this space. Um, but to the people that think like, oh, I'm just going to buy this business, this window cleaning business. And for and like, you know, I'm just going to optimize it because I have a lot of business sense. That's not how it works. Uh, you know, in the Amazon space, it's a very complicated thing. So not wishing this on anyone, but as, as there's, you know, there's, I think there's like 60 plus aggregators in the space now. Um, and as they're swooping up brands and, um, you know, it's adding a lot of excitement, even at like prosper, you know, prosper was on a different level this year, Amazon prosper in Vegas, cause the aggregators, um, it's like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm watching some of them fail with a little, a little glisten in my eye, just being like, you thought you could do this. You thought anyone could do this. It's it's, it's harder than it seems. And you really need to work with expert teams. If you're getting acquired, pick the best aggregator that feels like they have the best team to keep your business running for those earnouts and those kinds of things. Um, you know, try to choose the right teams or the right agencies to work with. Um, because as logistics get complicated, as timelines get complicated, as Amazon grows, as competition gets harder, um, you have to give it more focus than ever before. Um, you know, you have to give it more focus. So I think that's very commendable and very smart, um, of your team to, to acquire that team. I don't know all the specifics, but, um, to bring them in house and have them run it, um, versus having the bravado or the hubris to say like, we can do, you will take your business and do whatever we want. You know, it's just not the case. Yeah. And I think you hit on a good point there. There are 60 plus aggregators in the space and probably more and, and a number that have acquired one or two and, and a little bit smaller. As we see over the last six months or so, margins on a lot of products diminishing or, or shrinking, I should say. Um, these people that were riding the high of, of e-commerce 2020 are not anymore. So, you know, you have to be able to pick a buyer that is going to guarantee your business will be here in six months or 12 months or 18 months, right? However long, if you had that earnout or not, right? You don't necessarily need the earnout. I know of a guy who was acquired by a different business. He told me my business would have natural growth of like five to 10% month over month 
if you did nothing. Right now, his, his business is in the dumps. Uh, and he's actually upset about it. And he's not upset about his earnout. He's upset about the three years that he's he put into building this. Right? Like, that's where, like, this is such a personal transaction. You probably started out as a business owner by yourself, sitting on your computer. And you did this. And hopefully you had the opportunity to build a team around you, whether it's freelancers in the Philippines or, you know, down the block. Um, and you've built something. And they put hard work and hours and hours and hours into it. And like, you want to see that continue to grow. You want to see that business flourish. Even if you're not the hundred percent owner anymore, you, you want that business to be a household name and you can go to your friends and say, you know, that business, I sold that business that used to be mine. And they're just going to be as impressed. They might think you sold it for a hundred million dollars and you sell it for 20, but still 20 millions. Right. Um, but just like things like that, in terms of like who you're working with and, and who, who you choose as a buyer, you have to be comfortable with them. And you touched on it from a relationship standpoint. You have to have that trust. And, and you know, that's why a, a lot of what I do and a lot of what our senior leadership does is is face-to-face stuff. Like our lead, our CEO, our head of growth, our head of M&A, they're at like every conference that we go to, right? Our co-founders are there because you want the people that are ultimately making decisions for your business to shake your hand, right? And the ones that actually care about e-commerce. Because most of us that are out here pioneering it, like we're people that uh, like really cared about e-commerce to the next degree. And we're like investing their, their time, their reputation into building this space. Um, right. And so you want people to care about your business too. So, so they're there to take your business to the next level. Yeah, our two co-founders started as sellers on Amazon, right? So... They, they know what they're doing. They've, they've had their account shut down when they were selling three or four times and, and have, was able to get it reinstated. So when you turn around and, and look at these people that have just a ton of cash behind them to buy your business, but may not have the expertise to operate or run your business, that's where you really need to understand who you're working with. So that's kind of how I feel like we differentiate ourselves a little bit as well. No, I love it. And I have seen you guys everywhere. And I think that that matters. Like it just, you know, it's work, it's energy can sit behind a desk, but being out there in a space where so many of us are solopreneurs, Amazon FBA sellers, they might have a small team, but they're solopreneurs. A lot of times Um, our colleagues, our coworkers are sometimes even our competition or they're like service providers. And I'm like, you know, me and you don't do tons of business together tj but like if i see it feels like a friend you know this space is small and it's like that's the relationships that are being built um you know and i've been doing this 10 years it has it's probably been the first seven i didn't do much of that i didn't do a lot of networking i didn't i wasn't in the space like you know really i just never seen people that were competitors or or like um working together that's what's so fun about the e-commerce space and just wanting to see everybody win um it is pretty cool. As we're rounding out the show, TJ, what's like one thing that you would leave with our listeners um, coming from a, a guy that's been in the space a long time? You're at an aggregator. Aggregator has connotations like positive and negative. People are just, we don't know. We don't know. You know, we don't know. So like from TJ, though, not from Elevate Brands, like what's one thing you would leave with any sellers out there that are trying to position themselves in the right way? Yeah, so I've been on the service provider side for for a number of years and and more recently on on the seller side, although we appear to be on the service side. But, you know, we are sellers ourselves. But when we pull that back and look at myself, like 
I know that sellers know how to sell, right? And a lot of the problems that they face are sort of out of their control, whether it's something from Amazon or whether it's something from XYZ Marketplace or it's capital or it's whatever, right? So if we, if you are a business that is growing pretty nice, but always hitting that ceiling, you know, let, let's talk. And, and I think, you know, the, the biggest thing for us, and we hit on it a couple of times, is, is relationships. And what we try and do is if we are speaking to a business and we do not acquire them for X, Y, Z reasons. And, you know, what we try and do is go to them and say, you know, we really like your business, but this, 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 if you fix that, like, that's more interesting to us. And that's when we, and who can fix that? And Marknology can fix that. Bingo. So, All right, perfect. So Andrew at, at Marknology.com can, can absolutely help you with that. Uh, but yeah, no, but seriously, joking, but seriously, like a lot of the times it's, it's stuff for regarding the, the functionality of the Amazon account. You know, yep. Go hire an expert. It doesn't have to be Andrew or my team. It can, you know, there's other great, great consultants and teams out there, but go get some help. Or even if it's your own team, like take that, you know, a lot of times when I get, I give free audits, a lot of times I'm talking to brands and I'm yeah. like, listen, even if you don't work with me or I'm too pricey or whatever the case might be, take my suggestions seriously, go back to your team or, you know, back to home base and be like, you know, what can we do? Maybe there's, three of the five things that you guys can do yourselves without even getting outside help and work on those things. Um, and you know, a year passes so freaking fast, you know, um, you know, and then, so, you know, like another thing is I went to Babson college for, um, got a master's certificate in entrepreneurship in 2020. Uh, thank you. I was part of the Goldman Sachs 10 KSB and, um, the year before I was denied for that program. You know, so it was, um, someone suggested I apply, I applied, I, I was, my, my business wasn't big enough or, you know, it just wasn't on their radar. They have specifications to be in it, uh, cause they pay for everything the next year they reached out to me. So that's, you know, to, to relate that story is kind of like, you know, you could be talking to a brand now and, and elevate might say, Hey, you're not ready now. Um, but in a year's time, a lot can change. And, um, you just kind of focus on the same things you've been focused on, or if, if you're already in a growth trajectory, just keep doing your thing and position yourself right. Um, you know, for that exit or that next opportunity, either way. And, and that's what I tell to our team, like our, our sales guys and our M and a team and all that. It's like the business might be, you know, worth a million dollars today and we want something bigger, but this dude might turn around, pull a couple levers and that business shoots and is worth 10 million in, in six months, right? So you never know who you're talking to. You never know who you're working with. And that's what I do encourage everyone to reach out and, and kind of as you guys give the free audits, it's like for us to turn around and say, you know, let's have the conversation. We'll, we'll, if you are looking to sell, we will tell you what we're looking to buy. And not, not that our world word is like good and final, but it's going to be very similar to what the other aggregators are want. Right. So we're happy to have that conversation to help you guys out. If you sell to us down the line, great. If you sell to whomever, great. Like we truly believe that there is enough pie to go around. Um, I'm not going to sit here and bash XYZ company. I'm not going to say their name, but I'm not going to bash XYZ company because everyone's doing the same thing. But everyone at the same time, everyone's doing something different. So different strategies, different relationships, different methodologies to even operating the businesses. So, you know, there's plenty of pie to go around. Let's have a conversation and see where it goes from there. No, that was good. And, and the last thing I'll say is, and I didn't preface this in the show. I don't know why, um, but I'm not in the M&A space. Um, but as an agency owner, 
in my time in the trenches, I've been a part of nine exits. Um, I've worked with brands. We just had a big one out of Austin, a big, big deal. It got bought by an aggregator. Um, you know, we, we saw them go and we lost them as a client. Um, but we were, we were happy that, that they got such a great offer and that they, um, you know, were able to, to get the exit that they wanted. And we were very instrumental, you know, in helping them do that. They were doing 15 million on Shopify. Uh, we hit, you know, a million plus on Amazon within eight months of working with them. And, you know, then they were positioned on Amazon to get the attention of an aggregator because their presence looked great, you know? And so right. I'm sure it was the whole, the whole picture, but they worked with us for a limited amount of time to get themselves ready uh, and positioned to look good. You know, so it's like getting a personal trainer before your wedding, you know, like the kind of thing. So, um, we could talk all day, TJ. I always have a great time. You're full of knowledge. There's so much to learn about just the aggregator space and how it can be used. And it's not just one, you know, shoe. It's not one shoe. There's there's a lot of options and the way you can work and fit together. Um, so thanks again for being on the show. I'm sure I'll have you back because this space keeps changing. We'll have to get some updates on what's going on. Um, keeping a sharp eye on what you guys are doing and, and, and excited to be part of that, whatever that looks like. Awesome. I really appreciate it, Andrew. No, no problem at all. If anyone wants to uh, reach out to TJ, we will have his contact notes in, in the notes of the show. Um, what's a great email or a, or a spot for people to reach you? Yeah, so it's pretty simple. It's just TJ at elevatebrands.com. Okay, you guys heard it. I'll have it in the notes. Thanks again to our sponsor, Fullscale.io. TJ, you have a good rest of the afternoon. I think you said I was your last meeting, so we'll see you next time. <laughs> All right, thanks, Andrew. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.